Welcome back to Becky All Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now, as he does every Monday throughout the football season, Jason LaConfora, Odyssey NFL insider. Jason, thanks so much for joining us. So we had two undefeated teams go down yesterday and the Niners and the Eagles. Which team do you feel like suffered the bigger, perhaps more embarrassing defeat? Well, I don't know about more embarrassing, but I think the more uh, the defeat that might resonate the longest or linger the longest could be San Francisco if we're talking about these injuries being significant. Um, you know, we, we've seen Brock Purdy in, like, you know, quarterback wonderland with Hall of Fame left tackle or damn close to it, right? Hall of Fame play caller, really good offensive line, never have to really play from behind, right? They'd won whatever, 14 straight regular season games, wherever it was, since McCaffrey got there. And, you know, maybe the best defense in the NFL. And we just kind of hover above the freight. All of our tip balls land on the ground or in other receivers' hands. So those margins, right, and those outcomes change if you take a Trent Williams and McCaffrey and a Debo Samuel out of that collection of talent for any extended period of time. Then and this isn't even a knock. Like what Purdy's done is exceptional, and and he he is a very good NFL quarterback. And my skepticism on, on him as being like a some sort of figment of the imagination. Like I, I dropped that bag, you know, week one, week two. I held on to my skepticism as long as I felt like it was warranted. However, I'm still was evaluating Brock Purdy as I would any quarterback within that greater construct. That greater construct might be markedly different. So I I need more information on the San Francisco 49ers. Um, But there's a lot, there has to be a lot of concern if you're talking about, I I mean, like who, who, if those three guys miss any period of time, who could be more influential outside of the quarterback? You know what I mean? Kittle's kind of a spare part now. You know, Ayuk mm-hmm. gets in where he fits in. Like, those are three main – like, you have to defend them differently schematically when Debo and McCaffrey are on the field and when they're on the field at the same time with a Hall of Fame left tackle. That's a tough ask for a lot of defenses. Um, you know, the Eagles, I'm concerned, you know, Jalen Hurts, the interceptions, the decision-making, it's not what it was a year ago. I don't know how to quantify it. I don't know exactly what's going on there. Um, but they played without a lot of def- – they, they, they were shorthanded yesterday, you know, um, going into that game, which which gave me some pause, which was a reason why I wasn't investing in that game one way or the other. I was just, I was just on the sidelines watching. Um, I, I don't know. They're, they're still, you know, two of the three best teams in the NFC. But, like, the idea that the 49ers are this other class, right? Because I don't think people were saying that the the Eagles were undefeated. I don't think anybody was saying, like, the Eagles might be the most balanced, most complete team in football. You know, when are the Eagles going to lose a game? Will the Eagles lose points against every opponent this year? Right? I wasn't hearing that about them. I was hearing a lot of that about San Francisco. So, I, I think probably San Francisco because the idea that they were this other class than anybody else in the NFL you, they lose those three guys for any period of time. I'm not buying that. It's another under party yesterday, which means it's a JLC party. Anybody that listens to that of GM game day. I killed like, it, I man. Got on the Vikings uh, over. I got on the Vikings over. I know, over. me Shame too. Shame on me. I blame you. Hey, well, I blame you. Well, 
if Fields is out there, maybe it has a chance. No, maybe if they actually, it. if they, yeah, if they move the ball down the field a little bit. A twelve and two unders again, sixty percent on the year. We we heard you know the weather would play into it. It did a little bit, but I didn't think it was so difficult where you wouldn't be able to score. What do you think the biggest reason is that uh, teams are having trouble scoring this season? Well, quarterback play, I, I haven't run the numbers yet this morning, but I, a lot of times on a Monday morning, I'll just run um, league average quarterback rating this year through X number of weeks compared to last year, compared to five years ago, compared to 10 years ago. It's been down. Interception rate um, has been up. Uh you know, how many guys do you really trust in the red zone? Like, how many play callers do you really trust? You know what I mean? Like, how many guys do you look at and say they add so much value to their team, like, in the red zone, in critical situations, even just, you know, some some weird third and longs where most teams are already done? You know, are there some guys who are able to kind of flip that switch and, and keep that drive going? Because we know, you know, the unders and overs is really simple for me. It's red. It's red zone mathematics. Like I, I, I love teams that can't score in the red zone and who have a legit red zone defense. And when they go against other like-minded or like like built teams, those are my favorite games of the week. Um, and there was a bunch of them last week, and most of them did what I thought they would do, and some that I weren't sure of did it anyway. Um, it gets really tough to compete down there, you know, and that's the part of the field where the defense finally gets the edge. Um, you know, I think some of these officiating crews, you know, that like the one who did the, the Ravens game, they love to call PI. They called a lot of PIs, but you still have to eventually, you still have to turn that gift in the red zone into the touchdown. And I, I just don't know how many, like, how many wizards there are really on offense right now? You know, who who takes it to the next level? I mean, you look like I'm all over the Saints. I love the Saints. Saints are my favorite teams to bet. I mean, they've gone from Drew Brees in the red zone, historic significant, to they don't even want to have a quarterback in the red zone. They just want to hand the ball <laughs> off and take some help. They literally just want to have an extra running back. Like, God, I love you, Dennis Allen. I love you so much. You, you, you did it again. I love it. Right? And their kicker is in. They got a rookie kicker. He's not even any good. That's great. It's not even three. It's nothing. Zeros in the red zone. That's, that's, come on. What's better than that? That's, that's Christmas Eve. So, Christmas yeah, Eve. I, I just, you know, some of these kickers stink. Some of these coaches are conservative to a fault. You know, I think it's yeah. become the anti analytics. I, I feel like the pendulum swung. And where years ago you saw guys like Ron Rivera, which way's the wind blowing? Oh, I'm a riverboat Ron. I'm Mr. Analytics. Like, I feel like it's going back the other way. You know, John Harbaugh was the was the king of my quants are better than yours. My kid from MIT smarter than yours. Now I, I think he shuts them off in his ear. And he, like I told you, Joe, yesterday, this dude's just going to kick a field goal every chance he gets to kick a field goal mm-hmm. because he's been burned too many other ways. He's lost too many other games. Like people in this town aren't standing for it anymore. So I, I think those are sort of some of the factors. Um, and maybe it is just a blip. Last year, the unders really hit hard the first five or six weeks as well. And then it kind of stabilized. Um, but, yeah, road teams, the home road advantage does not seem to be a big deal this year. And, yeah, if you're not sure and you're thinking about betting a game, just sprinkle a small amount on the under and root for really extreme athletes to pee down their pants, which is fun. <laughs> if you're 5'5 five, oh five on a good day like me or 5'7 oh. and a half, just fade them off. <laughs> This is great. 
Oh my gosh. Where do I go from here? So we've talked about the <laughs> Niners and the Eagles in looking a bit vulnerable, the injuries, uh, Jalen Hurts, his decision-making, the interceptions. I'm curious how you rank the Lions because they seem to be a pretty balanced team, also at 5-1, and one, and their only loss was in OT to the Seahawks by six points. Yeah. How do you rank the Lions right now? Well, and if they win the coin toss, I think they win that game because the way Jared Goff was playing outside, of, he did end the interception streak, or, or, you know, in that, I think it was, what, 300 passes or something like that. It was an ungodly number without a pick, and then he threw that pick six, and then they still came back. And, yeah, if they win the toss in overtime, there's no doubt in my mind that they're winning that game. Um, I like them a lot. They've overcome adversity. Uh, last year they looked like a front runner, like they needed creature comforts, right? Like let's get, them in, let's get ourselves in a dome on a fast track. And we'll, you know, we'll run our option offense and we'll run ourselves to a lead and we can win that way. Like this, they, they win. They, they won that arrowhead, right? Prime time on the road on grass week one. So they, they just kind of shed their skin a little bit that way. Um, Jared Goff with that coordinator in that system, he's making people a lot of money. I mean, they, they're great against the number. Um and again, they've done it week in, week out with a collection of talent that is not optimal. You know, Laporta played in that game. I don't know if he was right. I mean, his catch percentage, everything, like he, he certainly wasn't, you know, they couldn't run their offense to him the way they did early the week before, yet they still win and, and they win comfortably. The defense is really good. Um, they clearly play hard. They're one of these teams that seems to bring the same mentality every week, which is, is not the case and human nature said it would not be the case. So, um, yeah, I mean, now they get Baltimore this week, right? In Baltimore, Baltimore coming back from London, Baltimore, a very erratic team. They have been very up or down. Unlike the Lions, the Ravens find ways to beat themselves in the fourth quarter. So like, have, have I put a couple bucks on the under in that game already? I have. Yeah, I have. <laughs> I mean, 44 and a half. Um, I think that'll be something of a defensive struggle. I think Harbaugh will continue to want to kick field goals. Dan Campbell, while he is aggressive, I think he's now aggressive within reason because he's not trying to prove to his team that we're legit anymore. He's trying to prove to his team we can get the number one seed. So, you know, where it was aggro, aggro, aggro to just to sort of establish a culture, I don't think he needs to be that way anymore. And I, I think he knows it's now horses for courses. And the quarterback, like he's his quarterback most weeks is better than yours. So you don't have to get cute, you know, fourth and five from your own 28 or whatever when you think you've got the better quarterback over four quarters. Um, so, yeah, I'm bullish. I'm, I mean, how can you not be bullish on the Lions? Like, who else in that division is even remotely good, you know? like, And I think they have the mentality not to let that bring out the worst in them, but to look at that and say that's our catalyst to get the one seed. You know, especially now that we've seen the Eagles are fallible. We've seen that the 49ers are fallible. A comment and a question here. So the comment is, when you're talking about analytics, head coaches were almost never listening to their analytical staffs to begin with. Take someone like Brandon Staley, who was going nuts on Fort Down just a couple of years ago. It really wasn't because the quants were telling him to go for it. There were lots of other reasons that took precedence. And you look at it this year, he's not going for it on fourth down at no. every opportunity in which he should. And so that matters in terms of how much they are or are not listening to the analytical folks. So this idea that there was this analytical revolution, like to an extent that's true because more data scientists are getting hired, but are they being listened to as far as in-game decision-making? 
it's one factor in many that get listened to and brought in. But this idea that there was this analytical revolution, like we always needed to slow our roll as far as that's concerned. So that's my comment. But it makes for a smooth segue for Monday Night Football, I hope. It's the Cowboys and the Chargers. How are you betting on this game, Jason? Which team will suck less tonight? <laughs> I'm I'm not excited about this game because I don't – I love fading the Cowboys. I've told you that guys that many times. But I, I like fading the Cowboys when I feel like I have also a handle on their opponent. And this Chargers team are just – I mean, the whole Chargering thing is real. It's been real for a long time. I don't know when it's ending. I don't trust their coach either. I don't trust him with a lead. I don't trust him from behind. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's green eggs and Sam, right? I will not eat green eggs. Like, I don't trust Brandon Saley on a yacht. I don't trust him, whatever, with my not, certainly. Um, I, I don't, I, I, you know, so, like, I lean to the, I'm like, I'm going to take the points here. I, I'm not going to pound the table. I'm not going to tell you it's my favorite play. Um, I, I'm just going to make a small fade on Alice under adversity coming up small. Now, if you look at some of the, the numbers, right, they'll say that, you know, Dak after terrible games, multi-pick games, them after a loss and this or that, you know, that that there's um, trends that would point in the Cowboys' favor. But I just don't buy the scope of their offense right now. Um, I think you're looking at, I mean, take the coaches out of it. I think the Chargers have the better um, key personnel almost everywhere other than the Parsons thing. But the Parsons thing on its own, isn't enough, I don't think, against this caliber of offense. And, you know, will Kellen Moore do a few dumb things here? Yeah. Like plus money on Herbert to throw a pick. It probably happens because Kellen Moore will probably, you know, be a little too amped up, a little too aggressive. So I think the volume of their passing game um, in itself might lead to a pick. But I'll take the Chargers here. I I think they're the better football team. Like, they, they have the better offensive line. Like, you can't even give Dallas that advantage, you know, every week anymore. Just, well, they do have the better offense. No. No, a lot of times they don't. And they certainly don't here. Um, and I think they're in a weird spot. And and the, the Chargers are coming off a bye. And Dallas's schedule, since they, like, flew out to Oxnard, California for training camp, I just feel like that that they're never home. Like, they, and, and they're always on a three-hour flight somewhere, two and a half hours, whatever. So I'll, I'll take the Chargers. Uh, Jason, less than a minute left. Are you still mad at Manford for not receding? I mean, not, not, I mean, on the grand scheme of things I'm mad about, which that, that list is, you know, there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of things and people on that list. Uh, no, I mean, no. We'll see if they okay. change it. But uh, you got you to gotta find a way to win a game. You know, the Rangers won again last night. Yeah. Like maybe they are on a magic carpet ride. I don't know. Seems like it. Fair enough. Jason Lockett for our Odyssey NFL Insider. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, all of our plays for Monday Night Football between the Cowboys and Chargers. That's right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.
I mean, there's always conversations, and, it, and I think the norm, uh, in my experience, is when it doesn't go well uh, the week before, they may last a little longer early in the week. Uh, but, you know, I can promise you we're truly focused on this, on this next contest, and that's what we're pouring our energy into. This is BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. That was Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy saying that his team can very well bounce back after that brutal loss to the 49ers just a week ago. It is Monday Night Football. The Cowboys are one-and-a-half-point favorites on the road at the Los Angeles Chargers. The total is 51, Joe. The better quarterback is getting points at home coming off a bye. Is it just that simple? Has anybody heard uh, a take on the Cowboys? Is anybody's picking the Cowboys? Because anecdotally, I have not. And that makes perfect oh, really? sense coming off the performance from last week. I, I've only heard Chargers action. Uh, that's probably why the numbers come down a little bit. So it was two and a half, sitting one and a half. You mentioned a very high total. That's why it's probably not something you want to start a teaser leg with but because the total's so high. But, man. Are the Cowboys going to win by multiple scores? Are they going to win by more than a touchdown? Uh, I don't know about that. I don't trust either head coach. I've had a tough time with this game, and, I, and I've landed on, on one specific thing. This feels like a prop night to me. You're betting Monday Night Football. You're probably going to want to look to the props because I just don't have any interest in the side of total. Maybe you guys do. Now, the lack of trust in the coaches for both sides, I certainly understand. What we harped on, everybody was harping on all offseason, was how this is going to change for Herbert. You know, even, even without Mike Williams. Now, we'll see. Let's see multiple games without Mike Williams to see how it looks. But if you look at the success of Herbert, he's number two in the NFL, completion percentage above expectation. He's number six in air yards. And that's what was the big thing with Lombardi? People were killing him with the charges. You've got to make a change at OC. You bring in Kellen Moore. They've made that change. And then, of course, the revenge spot. Like, you'd have to imagine that Kellen Moore has some stuff dialed up for this game. Like, he circled this game in the offseason. And that his good plays are going to be used in this spot. Tough matchup. I just keep going back to Herbert props. That's where I'm at. The, the passing touchdown prop is one and a half. And probably part of that is because it's a tougher matchup. It didn't look like that last week, but it is a tougher matchup. He's about even money for an interception. I'm sure he's going to take his passing attempts. And longest completion is 36 and a half, just like the attempts number. And the yardage, passing yardage is 274 and a half. Guys, that's what I keep going back to. I keep looking at Herbert props and, uh, how we can make money off of that because I I had a tough time with the side. Same thing with the total on the week of unders. Anybody want willing to jump in on an over 51 in this game with the Cowboys <laughs> defense on the field? I don't know about that one. I'm with you, except I was looking at the other quarterback. Shocking. I know I was looking at dash props because three plus I, I three mean, plus. The, 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 <laughs> no, I, I, the Chargers defense has been terrible. I think that yeah. maybe this is somewhat of a bounce back game. His passing yards prop seems pretty sharp. So unless you really have a strong opinion that Dak's just going to go off, I'm 
I was actually looking at his passing touchdowns over one and a half. I also looked at the Chargers being terrible against the run. They rank 28th in run defense DVOA. You'll see it yeah. in the insights. Tony Pollard over on rush yards. That number has been bet up already to 69 and a half. Even at that number, he's gone over it three times this season. Three out of five games, he's gone over 69 and a half rush yards. Also, this one could be a little dicey. Dax rush yards, 10 and a half. Maybe he can go over that too. Maybe he'll get involved a little bit in the run game. It's not a lot to ask of Dak, but it's not like this is what he does all the time, um, being a rushing quarterback. So, you know, I guess you could be, be careful with that one. But yeah, over uh, one and a half passing touchdowns for Dak against this really bad Chargers defense. I like it because really the Chargers have to rely on their offense to win games. Yeah, you're right about that. It was one of those uh, misnomers when it came to analyzing the Chargers defense because they've got great individual players. You go, well, how could this defense be bad? They've got Khalil Mack and they got this and they got that. Well, actually, the scheme is brutal. One of those things where, like, we were worried so much about switching offensive coordinators in the offseason you know, something needs to be done with this defense because they invested way too much in that group. And to have this kind of output really is embarrassing on so many levels. It is interesting, Joe, you brought up the idea of how in the world could this game be 51 when that Cowboys defense, apart from last week, has been so dominant for so long. Maybe Justin Herbert throws pick sixes. Maybe that's why the number is that way. Well, the reason is because, first off, you look at the laundry list of players in the Cowboys injury report. Granted, a lot of them will be playing, but still, though, you have nicks and cuzzes and bruises and all sorts of stuff to where that's going to be a bit of an issue where not everybody's 100%. So that's number one. Number two, key player who's out for the Cowboys, linebacker Leighton Vander Esch. What that could mean is that Micah Parsons could be defensive player of the year, may have to play back a little bit more at outside linebacker than, mm -hmm. than probably being a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage and then forcing offensive linemen to sort of double team and account for him, things like that. I think that might make Micah Parsons a little bit weaker because he does have to play back a little bit, uh, you know, for coverage, run stopping, all sorts of stuff. So I look at this and say that this Cowboys defense will not be the same unit that we saw the last several weeks. Uh, you know, certainly not what we saw against the Jets and Giants. So in that respect, I think the total is a little bit sharper than maybe we want to believe it is. But as far as a side is concerned, I think one of the things that we have forgotten is that back in week one, the Chargers were an absolute dogfight against the Dolphins. And we love the Miami Dolphins. That is a phenomenal offense. And Justin Herbert and company kept up with them. Now, granted, they mm -hmm. don't have Mike Williams. I understand that. But the personnel is still stout enough to where this Chargers offense can score a bunch of points, I think, on just about anybody. So I look at this and say, you know what? With this Cowboys offense and all the play calling being bereft of you know true genius, I think, this is a deal where I think the Chargers can win this game outright. And I think that will be the wake-up call to do things differently with Dak Prescott and company. Yep. Certainly makes sense. Uh, anytime touchdowns. Let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. One thing that certainly stands out with the Cowboys is Ferguson. He has 11 red zone targets. That is second most in the NFL. He has one touchdown. 
So all these red zone targets he's getting, he becomes a popular anytime touchdown bet, but they're not resulting in scores. One on the year, he's plus 270. I'm sure people are going to bet it after looking at the red zone targets, but just keep in mind that he, he only has one touchdown on the season. One that really stands out to me over on the Chargers side, Parham, plus 525 mm. for an anytime touchdown. Second most mm. red zone looks on the team with seven. Yeah, part of that is because Eckler's not been out there and we're used to him being the guy you go to once you're in the red zone. And we'll probably see some of that tonight. But that's a mighty juicy number, better than five to one for, I believe he's got, Parham has a couple of touchdowns on the year at, at least. Um, so you always get a good number with these tight ends, but this one makes sense. And we we have some good numbers here for a game with such a high total of 51. Uh I know it's late in the game is kind of garbage time. Turpin's had some looks in the red zone. And he's mm-hmm. eight to one for an anytime touchdown over on the Cowboys side. So I like some of these uh these big numbers for anytime touchdowns. And yeah, Parham, he scored a touchdown in two of the four games. He had a two touchdown game against Minnesota a couple weeks ago. So I like him as well. Yeah, in terms of at- uh insights. Yeah, in terms of insights for uh, BetMGM, one of the things that I find interesting is that uh, a lot of folks in the marketplace believe that we are going to have a higher scoring affair despite all of the unders that we saw yesterday. C.D. Lamb mm-hmm. to score the first touchdown at 11-1. to Keenan Allen to score an anytime touchdown at even money. It, Aaron, it does seem like that you know, the folks who are betting on this game really do believe that we're going to see a lot of touchdowns unlike what we saw yesterday. Mm. Yeah, I wonder if this should be an under, if it will go the other way. But both of these defenses haven't been overly impressive. I mean, the Cowboys suffering some injuries, the Chargers, we already talked about that. What about Quinton Johnston? Did anyone look at him and his receiving yards? Could he get more action tonight, or is that a stay away? Is he dead to me? Is he dead to me? (laughs) Is he dead to us? Not just to me, but to us. Under when them. you killed Ridley, when you killed Ridley, he had a good game. No, that was two weeks later, actually. Um, right. It's going to happen at some point, but his high mark is 18 yards in the last game against Vegas. I just. But his prop is 30. I see a 34 and a half, 30 and a half. What about an under? Uh, yeah. Or just stay away because you don't know. I would consider that. Because his game yeah. log does not match with the number, his prop number. I'm thinking, are the books just expecting this guy to have a huge game? Because no. 18, 10, yeah. 7, 9, I don't get okay, it. So Why is he where's it going to go? It's it's going to go to Keenan. It's going to go to Eckler. It's going to go to Palmer. Like There are a number yes. of weapons that it's going to go to before Quentin Johnson. I, I'm kind of in the mode of, all right, prove it to me first. So, yeah, if you're going to make a bet on him, under seems like the play. The only scary thing is one explosive play from this Chargers team, and that could be dead. You know what I mean? Right. I need a sweat in it, this game. I might, right. I might just bet that. Nothing like a riveting <laughs> prop under for a wide receiver. No, I, I think the numbers agree with you, Aaron. I, I think that one makes a whole lot of sense. You know what I find fascinating is that Jake Ferguson, uh, minus 130 to go over three and a half receptions. 99% of the bets are on the over. I like the under. 
I don't know if he gets to three and a half in large part, mm-hmm. because if this is a sharp total, then it's a wide receiver game. They're going to CD lamb. They're going to Michael Gallup. They're, they're going to Brandon cooks. They're not going to Jake Ferguson, not to mention Joe. I think you hit the nail on the head as far as this whole red zone. Whoa thing where, yeah, he's being targeted a lot because you're supposed to like those one-on-one matchups with a tight end. It's not working out for one reason or another. This is a wide receiver game for the Cowboys if it is going to be higher scoring. And if it's not, then the targets are still going that way, but they're turning into interceptions or incompletions. And then that is a huge problem where this Cowboys offense might be worse than we thought. I think we're going to get a good game. I'm hopeful that we're going to get a good game. We got a close game last night. Um, I wouldn't say a good game. We can't say it was a good game on Thursday. Uh, last Sunday night, not so much. Monday night, not so much. <laughs> last Monday. Uh, I, 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 I hope the market's right. Because if, if this is a close, high-scoring affair, I think we're going to be all really happy. Yeah, I agree. I don't know I why find. I feel like this could yeah, be yeah. a Cowboys bounce-back situation and they do look dominant again. Mm-hmm. The trends suggest Uh-oh. that that's probably what's going to happen. One thing that I am grateful we haven't brought up, but others will, is this whole notion of SoFi Stadium not being a home field advantage for the Chargers. Therefore, you need to you know turn this into like a four or five point swing as far as the spread is concerned. I am grateful I haven't heard that very much, but I know it's going to come up a good bit between now and kickoff. And that's I heard why it. I am going to entertain myself with baseball <laughs> so that I don't have to hear such garbage. Wait, what? 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 Which part of it is garbage? Well, okay, I get that. All right, SoFi is not going to be as big of a home field advantage as, say, other stadiums in the National Football League. But right. this idea that Cowboys fans are going to fill up the joint and it's really going it. to be a, a North Texas home field advantage. No, guys, that's not how this works. It is not how this works kinda, at all. I actually think it is with training camp in Oxnard. This being a former San Diego team, I think it'll be more than 50, maybe 75% Cowboys fans. I would not <laughs> be surprised. Cowboys fans are everywhere. I, they are everywhere. And they're always going to be a massive contingent wherever they go, but it's not going to be 75%. No. You know, you know where I've heard that another team I've heard that a lot about, and it's usually wrong, Raiders games. People assume, oh, yes. everybody's going to go. Everybody's going to go out there because it's Las Vegas. Yeah, you're right. There's going to be some Steeler fans there. Yeah, there's going to be some fans of the other. Some Patriots fans there yesterday, but seventy five percent. No, no, Raiders are big in Vegas. Like that's that's that one's completely out of bounds. <laughs> Aaron, the Cowboys say. one makes more sense, I think, just because training camp's been there forever, and the Chargers mm-hmm. did play for a long time in another city. Hmm. But, I mean, San Diego's only two hours away. Like, you still have residents of San Diego making the trip, and especially on a Monday night. 25%. I, I, that's not, <laughs> not going to be greater than 25%. No, this I can't is not going to be a Cowboys home field advantage. Like, you don't just swing things four to five points because, no, no, that's not. Where are we? And it's an Aaron's open like, stadium, too. Cowboys. Let's go. I know. I can't wait. I, I'm uncomfortable. Situational situation you know it's a situationship (laughs) with the dallas cowboys let's just call it out the way it is 
a situation ship. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, an action-packed weekend on the college gridiron and league championship series in Major League Baseball are underway. We will dive into all of the above right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Second and ten. SC needs points for the conclusion of this first half. Williams pressured, retreats, and now he throws another interception. It's Benjamin Morrison who rises and picks it off right there in the sky. This is BetQL oh, presented by Ben MGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, Ed Egros, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Those were the dulcet tones of Jack Collinsworth on the call for Notre Dame versus USC. Joe, I know you're a big fan of Jack, who, by the way, it's spelled J-A-C because the Collinsworths do not like excessive consonants in their first names. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> It's just solo rent, man. Like, it's supposed to be a big game. It was the biggest game of the day, and then you turn it on, and you're like, oh, God. Paul Aspen actually hates it more than I do, but uh, and I strongly It's bad. It. He should not. I, that clip right there tells the whole story, doesn't it? Like, he's yeah, not ready yeah. for this. It, it's like a no. child. It's not his fault, to be fair. But it is – look, it's nepotism. No. And to be perfectly frank, it's the same thing with Noah Eagle. He's just better at it. But he's Jack good. Jack does not belong. But he's good. But they both got there the same way because their daddy Joe Buck, someone. you could say that. You could say that about Joe Buck. Sure. sure. And he's but good, like, look, too. Look, Jack Wait. belongs calling – high school games right now if that if that's what he wanted wants to do but look the, it's it's not on him i mean it sounds like a high school game it sounds like a high school game that's or like cbs like. sports network sure <laughs> like start somewhere i mean it's it's on the suits who put him there it's not necessarily on him like he's what do you like he's he's trying like he's gonna turn he's it down right it. right right he, what are you gonna say to jack that? Like, is i would cringe. say yes too there I said it. He's horrible. It's cringe. Any position cringe. you put him in, it's really uncomfortable, and you're just kind of like, like you said, nepotism. It doesn't seem fair. That is, he, does his dad have that options. much power? So his dad has that much power. Well, I it's the so. Sunday Night Football connection. I mean, I know. it's NBC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, I don't, if you so Google Jack Collinsworth, there is nothing positive. I don't think there's many people <laughs> who disagree with us right now. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know, know if you guys much. feel this way about the business in general, but there are a lot of really talented young guys who are in their 20s who are calling, you know, nationally televised games. I mean, heck, Joe Davis is going to be calling the World Series fairly soon. He's, what, 32 something like that. So this is something where because of YouTube, because of the internet, you have a lot of young play-by-play guys who have been practicing since they were eight years old for moments like these. And there's a ton of talent to go around. And I wonder if that is part of the frustration 
that someone with the last name Collinsworth can get a gig like this, knowing full well that there are guys who practice this stuff in their bedroom since they were in the womb, basically, uh, and they're able to do a fantastic job. Who yeah, also went I don't to know Marin, that necessarily like that. Yeah, right. So there's yeah. there's that connection. There's a lot of connections. I, I don't know. It's fair to assume that like Chris pushed for this or anything like that. Um, I mean, there's the obvious NBC connections, the Notre Dame connections. I think it's probably more likely that it's some suit with a bright idea and like this is going to be the next big thing. And, it's- and Chris is going to be really happy with this decision. Mm-hmm. And he's in Notre Dame. And yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Some some would say his real name is Jack Collins Worthless. Some would say. I would not. <laughs> no shot you came up with that on your own. Who did you steal that from? I, I well, I used to say it. <laughs> you know, Aaron I used to has this whole thing in the open so now where we can her do thumb that. goes down and she says boo Ooh. and all of that. Yeah, that's that's where that I like it. Right there. Pounds worthless. Oh yeah, it's pretty good. That's not funny. It's, it's terrible. It's pretty good. It's. No, I think it's true. hilarious. <laughs> no, it's a bad pun. It's a really bad pun. As coming from someone who loves using puns all the time, I, I'm not a fan of that one. Uh, speaking of puns, uh, let's talk about the Heisman race here because boy, did Saturday kind of make things interesting as far as how much we downgraded Caleb Williams and how much we upgraded. Michael Penix Jr., Joe. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, let's first off, let's let's point it out that uh, did it did it impact his number one draft stock? No. He still minus 500 to be the number one overall pick for everyone that's saying, see, he's not that great. He doesn't fix everything. He's facing a real defense. It's not a Pac-12 defense. That may be true, but as of right now, as far as the betting market, uh, yeah, still minus 500, Drake May, second favorite at plus 550. So going into Saturday, it was a, he was about a co-favorite with Michael Penix, about a co-favorite. Penix had a great game. Everybody was watching that one. He comes through, right? And then this happened, the worst performance we've seen from Caleb Williams in his college career. Like, it was bad. Was it all on him? I don't think so. I mean, that then that uh, Notre Dame front was ridiculous, and they were all over him mm-hmm. the entire game. Uh, it, it was a tough spot for him, but the the shocking part was in game. You know, he, into going into the day, he's basically at the top of the board, and then in the fourth quarter, I look at it, and he was fifty to one. Now the market has settled a little bit. I've seen 20 to 1, 35 to 1, but I thought that was really telling during that game for him to drop all the way to 50 to 1. And it's something that we've talked about since the summer. He has to be perfect. He has to be a, almost a little bit better than perfect to be in the mix all season for the Heisman. That's loss number one for USC. And, you know, some brought up, oh, they're probably thinking that there's going to be more losses down the road. And if you look at your, their schedule, yeah, I would agree with that. But, My reaction was it was going to take one and he got the one and it was a massive dud on Mm -hmm. in primetime national TV game, which you can't always watch the the USC games. They're not always the most high profile games from time to time or a little bit later than some uh, would expect. I think it's over. He's out. People were tweeting me. Would you bet it now at 50 to one? Absolutely not. 
he's not winning this award. That's what it screamed at me. They were looking for a reason. They got the reason. I know there's half a season left, and I part of that is my opinion. I don't think that they're going to go undefeated the rest of the way when you look at the Pac-12 teams that that, that, that awful defense is going to have to face. It's tough when you're looking to go back-to-back for the Heisman and you have a performance like that, like you said, Joe. It's like you're looking for a reason not to give it to him, and you have it. I don't know how you can give it to him after that, right? Like how do you overcome that? Something really crazy has got to happen in the Heisman uh, (laughs) candidate market for him to still be able to win it at this point, in my opinion. And how are they going to make the playoffs? Michael Penix just looks so good. Yeah, I mean, he he wanted he put the best performance up. I mean, I think he's front runner now. It it certainly feels like there is a saturation of quarterbacks this year. I mean, we saw two Mm -hmm. fantastic performances between Washington and Oregon with Penix and Bo Nix. Is one of those deals where you can't just be lackluster and expect that your name or the team you play for will carry you to Heisman consideration. That's just not the case. I mean, J.J. McCarthy might be a really good example where, yeah, he might have his opportunities later in the year to showcase what he can do, but we're not talking about him very much. Even though, like, he's been super efficient, one of those things where Michigan, yeah, they may be the best team in the country, but they're doing it with the ground game. They're controlling the tempo and the contest in general. It's not necessarily because of the passing attack. And that puts McCarthy in a bind because we got all these other quarterbacks that we really love. I mean, highest ticket percentage as far as the Heisman uh, is concerned uh, from BetMGM, it's Shadur Sanders at 18%. The highest handle, yeah, it still belongs to Caleb Williams at 17%, but Sanders is still very much in the mix, as well as Michael Penix Jr. So there's so many other really good quarterbacks that we can point to, and that's what's making that argument really tough for Caleb Williams. Not to mention, he was already in a bind because I think voters don't necessarily want to give the same guy the Heisman two consecutive years. And so that is a hurdle that you have to jump over And I think it's something that we really didn't take into consideration as much as perhaps we should have, that voters do like that element of surprise. And I think they also like that hashtag narrative that they can go to their readers and audience to, to say, okay, I voted for this Heisman contender because of this story. And that's harder to do with Caleb Williams because he's such a known commodity. Whereas some of these other guys, like maybe they're known, but here's a cool story that I can use to back up my vote with. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So it's, I mean, that's what we talked about when all summer he was the clear odds on favorite. I'm like, no, this is not going to happen. Their first chance. And like you think about what he would have to do. They, they've got to run the table, right? They've got to win their last five. It's Utah. Now you got to go to against Utah. So you go from that Notre Dame defense, and we saw the struggles they had, to a home game against Utah. The number six and a half, I see sevens out there. USC is favored. That's a really interesting game we'll talk about throughout the week. They gave Washington and Oregon in back-to-back weeks. Like, mm-hmm. just, okay. If he wins all those games, then he re-answers the conversation. I just don't think they're going to re-enter the conversation and they close the season with UCLA too. That's not easy as well. So no, it's, it's, it's going to be tough. 
Yeah, I don't see it happening. And I just think Penix mm-hmm. has looked so good. I mean, leads the nation in passing yards per game. He's even ahead of Sanders there and ranks among leaders in pretty much every other category. So Washington does still have to run the table and get in for Penix to win, right? Because they still got a slate of games left. They do. Everybody I mean, in that I think they're allowed started. one trip up, right? I mean, I, I mean, yeah. To, to expect a team to go undefeated, I mean, it almost never happens. You know, you'll no, have one, to, maybe two teams do that. Will Will they get into the playoff with a loss? If they run the table after that and win the Pac-12, I think they can. Okay. Now, they might need a little bit of help, but I, I think it's very possible. I mean, the, the Pac-12 champion of the last few years has had two or more losses. If it's just one and you have that dominant, or not dominant, but an impressive win against Oregon. It, Washington does play USC, I believe. If they win that game and also the Pac-12 yeah. championship, then they win the marquee games. And so maybe they get tripped up somewhere, but the resume would be good enough, I think. The Pac-12 deserves a team in. You could make the argument that it's top to bottom, it's the best conference in the nation. They should get a team in. But maybe something we're talking about tomorrow, the, the gap between Penix and the rest of the Pac, it goes from minus 140, 9 to 1, 10 to 1. So where's the value? Exactly. We will get to baseball a little later on in the program. In the meantime, this is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. We will turn our attention to the Week 7 NFL board and share our early favorite plays right here on the BetQL Network.